Hello and welcome to Modern Intuition Podcast with your host, Olivia Scott. In this podcast, we talk all things intuition, spirituality, manifestation, and the road to uncovering soul purpose. I will be chatting with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, business owners, and industry experts to hear their road to creating success and how intuition has played into that journey. We uncover practical tools and inspiration to use in our own modern day lives to create our own version of happy, high vibration living in alignment with our true authentic self. If you love today's episode, I would love it if you would share it with a friend, leave me a review or connect with me on Instagram and let me know what you think. Today's episode is brought to you by Eve Health, at home hormone testing. I am personally so passionate about women taking control over their hormones. So how does it work? You can purchase your test online from www.evehealth.com and then you collect a urine sample from the comfort of your own home. After sending your sample to the lab, Eve scientists will analyze your results and a health consultant will put together your report complete with diet, lifestyle and nutritional recommendations based on your unique body. Listeners to this podcast can access an exclusive 15% discount off your Eve test. Just visit www.evehealth.com and enter the code INTUITION at the checkout. That's I-N-T-U-I-T-I-O-N. Hey guys, it has been a minute. I think it's been about three or four weeks since my last podcast episode and I'm sorry for uh, kind of leaving you in the dark there. Um, I, I had a little bit of a break unintentionally. I actually had an opportunity come up that I went over to Sydney to explore. So for those of you who are new listeners, I currently am situated in Auckland and have a Reiki healing uh, practice here. But out of the blue, uh, an opportunity came up to go over to Sydney and meet with a company where a really, really cool, inspiring company that I have admired for years and years um, were interested in bringing me into their company. And so I I looked at it and went over and met there and looked at how I could relocate my Reiki clinic over there and continue to run the podcast and I had to really think hard about what that life change was going to bring and I almost 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 packed up everything (laughs) and left. Um, I did make some life changes um, and I will go into that in a moment but I'll let you know now that I am not moving at the moment. I am staying here. There were some huge lessons that came out of that journey of taking a few weeks to relook at my life. And what I realized is that I actually don't want to be in Sydney right now. I absolutely love the community here in Auckland. And the Reiki business is just growing each month. Um, And something really exciting is that yesterday I actually went full-time in this business. Um, It's been obviously quite a big leap of faith, um, but the business has been growing ever since I started it at the end of last year. It was just the right time, and and I decided, look, if if I'm not going to move to Sydney, 
I'm going to really 100% commit to this business now in Auckland. So just a few things that have been going on over the last few weeks. And I, I had to really look at the podcast and go, well, if I'm coming back to focus on this business, then then I need to get really clear around the podcast and where I'm going to take it. I mean, this is only episode five, but I've had uh, some really amazing feedback from you guys. And I'm very grateful to my regular listeners. And I'm also very grateful for um, any new listeners today. Uh, I hope you love it. Today is a really special episode, actually. I, I got to interview my best friend, Beatrice. She is an inspiring person. Um, she We've been friends for a really long time, and she she continues to inspire me with her her outlook on life the fact that she's always growing and always offering uh generous time and love but doing it in a way that is so true to herself and she's got such clear boundaries she knows who she is and she knows what she will stand for and what she won't stand for but she does it all in such a graceful way um she is also the head of Eve Health Company, which is um, a hormone testing company based here in New Zealand. Uh, a fairly new company, it's been probably around for about six months, and she's also around on the senior management team of Be Pure Health, which is a, a really inspiring company doing some really great things here in New Zealand, supplement company. And she is an advocate for self-love and she is an advocate for body love, and she's been on her own journey there. And for anyone who is kind of going down a route of rediscovering love for self and love for body, and also working on hormone health and or even just just emotional health and well being, you'll love this episode. She also talks about her journey with coming off the pill and some misconceptions that are out there around hormones and. Um, what how safe things are like the pill and and um our body kind of taking a bit longer than usual to catch up with with us and the things we put it through but I'm not going to speak much more about today's episode there's a lot more juicy goodness in there we even spend a bit of time chatting about poo (laughs) yes you heard that right um I yeah I, I hope you guys love it um as always, I always love editing these episodes and I have got a whole lot of exciting things in store now that this business is my full-time gig. I'm so excited. Um, and yeah, connect with me on Instagram. My Instagram is lovebyolivia underscore. I'd love to hear from you if you've got any feedback, comments or questions about today's episode. But without further ado, let me introduce you to Beatrice Thorne. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on to this episode. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is a special one because you are many things, but first <laughs> and foremost, you are my best friend. Thanks. But you it's also, an honor. <laughs> likewise, uh, you are also a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. You are writing a book. Yes. You are the head of Eve Health. Yes. Who is actually also a sponsor of this podcast. And you're on the senior management team at Be Pure Health. Correct. Can you just explain a little bit about what Be Pure does 
and your background there? Yeah, absolutely. So I joined BPure a couple of years ago. I pretty much pestered them to give me a job at the time. You remember it well, I'm sure. <laughs> and you definitely manifested that. I remember the whole Yeah, process. I really did. Yeah. I really did. Um, and so I started at BPure. Originally, my role was supposed to be HR, actually. But after kind of about a month or so, I transitioned into more of a management role. Um, and from there, I was kind of doing everything from developing new products with overseas suppliers to helping manage a clinic to, yeah, sorting out people problems, things like that. So BPure itself is a scientific holistic health company, which means that we kind of blend science with holistic health and wellness and kind of the knowledge of natural health that's been around for thousands of years and we're blending that now with modern science to hopefully provide people with the education tools and inspiration to um, take charge of their own health and their own lives and know that they can feel better and um, how the little things that they do every single day really affect how they feel both today but also into the future. Mm. Um, and BPure does that through its clinic program. So we have a clinic in Auckland and we do video conferencing with um, health programs across New Zealand. Um, we have a nutritional product range and I know I'm incredibly biased, but they really are freaking awesome. Um, and um, I think all of the reviews on the website are a testament to that. And then we also have ePealth, which is the arm of the kind of group, I suppose, that I um lead and run um and eve health is hormone testing um is a hormone testing service mm-hmm. um for men and women mm-hmm. i just want to add also that be pure i have used many of the supplements from the range and i can fully attest to the fact that it not only be pure as a whole i feel like is so approachable from the aspect that it's you guys have done such an incredible job with making it approachable and accessible and modern and fresh but also backing up absolutely everything holistic with science yeah and there's not many people there's not many companies especially in New Zealand that do it to the level that you guys you guys have got a specific team dedicated to researching and innovation and technology and this and not being happy to say this, like <laughs> I'm genuinely fascinated by the stories I hear from you and all the yeah. reviews and um, people that share their journey and life stories and things that you guys have done. It's incredible. Thank you so much. And yeah, we try really hard to strike a good balance between that kind of natural health and science space because there is so much that for the you know past hundreds and thousands of years we have known to be true about our health but we don't necessarily understand from a scientific perspective why that is Um, and so we try and a find the science that's coming out of universities across the world now at an alarmingly fast rate Mm -hmm. that is showing the effectiveness of diet and lifestyle factors on our health Um, and we absolutely believe that there's a time and a place for a good bit of woo like a lot of people that work here have um you know, their own spiritual practices and beliefs, Ben included, um, who kind of founded Be Pure originally. But we know that to make a dent in the mass market um, and to really help as many people as possible, we need to come from more of that scientific place so that it mirrors a little bit more the current health system that we have and people can find trust in it from the science rather than, you know, oh, great, this makes me feel good, but I don't know why. Definitely, and I think that you're able to reach a much 
bigger, way bigger audience when you've actually got that expert research, all the advice that that unfortunately most people need to see before they trust these things mm. because there's so many claims out there, especially yeah. in the natural health industry, that this thing is going to fix you and yeah. this thing is going to do this. And you guys do it. You guys see that that is important. And once once people are on board, then they trust you. Then you can start going into the more of the lifestyle and the your turn uh, woo <laughs> the woo side, which is like yeah. what I which is what I look for often in products to see is there that lifestyle element, but also uh, where. I also do look for that kind of backup, like where is this evidence coming from, what's yeah. the story behind the brand, and uh, what's their intention, you guys do all that so beautifully. Thank you very much. Eve Health, as a branch of the Beefield Company, is fairly new. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the thought process behind the Beefield Group launching Eve, mm-hmm. and how that's been going. Yeah. So we have known for a number of years that... Um, Testing is one of the things that really helps people decide, okay, do you know what? I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to make these changes. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to clean up my lifestyle, whatever it is. Because once you, well, once somebody um, does some kind of health test and they can see numbers or, you know, graphs or results or whatever it is on a page in black and white telling you this is how your body is coping right now. And when you see that in front of you, it's really hard to hide from that or to pretend that that's not the case or to you know, say, oh no, everything's fine, because you can see, hold on, actually, my body needs my help right now. And so many of us, for so many different reasons in this modern diet and lifestyles, are struggling with different health um, conditions, and many, many women are struggling with hormone imbalance, um, even though a lot of women still don't really know what that is, or what that means, or how that shows up for them. Um, And so we knew testing was going to be a big part of it to inspire change in people so that they can feel better. Um, And then through, again, through our clinic, you know, we work with thousands of people every year through our clinic. So we start to see a lot of trends and either people were coming with hormones as their primary concern or once we started talking to them about, okay, what do you experience from, from day to day? You know, what are your signs and symptoms? Hormones would be a big part of their picture and their journey. Hormones tie into every other area of the body. Like, hormones are out in everything. It's hard to fix one thing if hormones are going to be imbalanced. Totally. And hormones are also a really good um, kind of signal light to how the rest of the body is doing. Because if the rest of the body is struggling, if your gut's struggling, um, you know everything ultimately comes back to the gut so after if your gut's struggling if you're bloated if you've got you know diarrhea or ibs or food intolerances or whatever it may be chances are your hormones are going to be impacted by that um, as well as you know most of the other systems in your body but yeah hormones are essentially the chemical messengers that tell our cells what to do if you think about estrogen which is the most well-known female hormone it gives us our boobs and our shape and um, it's kind of known as a feminizer but it does so much more than that in our bodies 90% of our cells have got estrogen receptor sites in them which means that 90% of the cells that make up your entire body respond to estrogen in some way and testosterone and progesterone are very similar so the so hormones are so much more than just what gives you a period or helps you get pregnant Mm. um yeah unfortunately sometimes it takes getting to rock bottom 
for example, depression or anxiety or food intolerance or allergies or anything, getting to that worst place before you go, okay, I need to figure out what's going on with my hormones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also think that we're all so busy these days that um, having to work on something in your health is inconvenient. And we've also been trained to all want the quick fix and the magic pill. Um, and so we try and find these things, you know, maybe my quick fix is going to be this new collagen powder or this, you know, whatever, and it's going to make everything better. And sometimes it will really, you know, help. <laughs> and, um, you know, it often takes a larger commitment to um, us deciding that we want to really inquire as to what's going on within, build a better relationship with our body based on understanding and compassion and start taking um, actions that really are gonna help. I think we were speaking about this on the weekend where we have been sort of conditioned in this fast-paced modern society to think that there's going to be that one thing that will fix us. Mm. Um, And we sort of give our power away to these experts like doctors or more conventional medicine where we go, they are the only people that will be able to fix us. Mm. And there's going to be only one thing and I'll take it and I might have to be on the pill or I might have to do this or I might have to get this treatment done, but it means that I will be fixed. Mm. When in fact, we are the ones that can fix ourselves given if we're given the right tools. And it's another... I think that you guys are doing an amazing job of empowering people by showing them this is a test you can take that you will then be shown what is going on in your body because there is the reason we want the quick fix is because we want someone to fix us because we mm. don't know what's going on with our bodies mm-hmm. and you guys are giving the power back to the consumer or the person yeah it's really awesome to hear that that comes across because our mission is to actually inspire and educate and empower people to take self-health ownership which is to take ownership over your own health and your own life and not try to give your power away to somebody else who may be able to help you and um that's ultimately what we're trying to do by educating people around, you know, this is what estrogen is, this is what progesterone, testosterone, this is what's happening in your body, this is how you might be feeling as a result. And here are the diet, lifestyle, and nutritional products um, kind of recommendations that are probably going to support you. And giving people that knowledge, like you say, so that they can own it for themselves. Um, but yeah, it does take work and it does take self-responsibility to do this. And, you know, the people who get really awesome results through doing the testing are the ones who take the action and put the recommendations into practice. Um, Then, you know, they come back telling us what an incredible experience they've had is because actually we've done very little. Um, we've, We've tested them and we've shown them the path to go on. We've given them a plan to follow, but they're the ones that are getting up every day and committing to themselves and going on that journey. And they reap the benefits as a result. I love that, and it is 100% about where on your priority list your health is. Mm-hmm. I genuinely feel that there is no better feeling than waking up and feeling good, yes. and also feeling empowered uh, and, and, and responsible for, how, for feeling good. Absolutely. And I think quite often uh, in this modern society, we think that we will reach a destination where we feel good forever. Mm. We'll get to that place we don't have to put any effort in anymore. And it's about realizing that it's going to be an ongoing relationship. It's going to be a daily um, investment of your time 
just like how a relationship would be with someone else. You don't take one pill and your relationship is good forever. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly right. And on that as well, you know, it's not like it's realistic to decide, well, for some people, their health might be their number one thing every single day for the rest of their lives. But for many of us, you know, we've got jobs, we've got families, we've got relationships, um, you know, we've got all of this stuff going on that health can be the can be a number one priority. I think it certainly should be in most people's top three. Um, but that balance isn't always going to be there. And when the balance slips and maybe we decide, you know, we're really passionate about our work, for example, and so we decide to pour ourselves into building our business or, um, you know, going after that promotion or whatever it is and working a little bit harder and pushing ourselves a little bit more and some of the practices and habits that we know support our best health slip a little bit. And that's okay. The, the practice, I suppose, is knowing, being able to notice, A, when those things are slipping and being able to make a conscious decision around, actually, I'm choosing my business right now. I'm choosing my work or my family or whatever it is. I know that my health is suffering, but I also have the tools and know what I need to do to bring things back into balance. Mm-hmm. And um, so, A, it's about having the self-awareness around what you're prioritizing in your life and then, B, knowing what the tools are and knowing what truly serves you and your body to bring yourself back into balance so that you don't end up, you know, um, going 365 degrees in one direction and then, you know, right back in the other direction and, yeah, peaking yes. and troughing. And, and like you said, seeing this collagen powder that you think is going to fix you and then seeing a, type, a workout program that's going to fix yeah. you, turning and growing like that, and every single person is so unique and needs someone, something different. And yes, maybe the collagen's right for one person for yeah. healing their gut, but maybe you don't need that. Yeah. And it's actually... Yeah, about figuring out what does work for you and having those tools. You're so right. I love it. What are three of the most common issues you see in hormonal imbalance? Yeah, so um, low progesterone is probably the number one. So um, there's a lot of women out there who are either not ovulating because they are too stressed to ovulate, and stress can come from many, many places. So it um, yes, it's work, family pressures, financial, all of that, but it's also you know pressure from gut health and from the toxins that are around us and from not sleeping properly, not eating the right foods, not having balanced blood sugar levels because we're eating foods that are not um, kind of giving us fuel long term. All of these things place stress on the body, and all of these things can um, prevent us from ovulating. So is that sort of like running on adrenaline? Yeah, um, yeah. So essentially, what happens is um, our stress response happens where um, the hypothalamus, in which is a gland in the brain, perceives stress. So that can be stress coming from external or internal in your body, and then from there, it sends a signal down to the pituitary gland, which is another gland in your brain, um, telling it to produce certain hormones that then will go and send a message to your adrenal glands and tell your adrenal glands what hormones you need to survive for the next three seconds. Um, Yeah, so this is happening constantly all the time. Um, And that's why you can go from one minute feeling calm and, you know, look on your phone, realize you're supposed to be at an appointment in 10 minutes and you've just got out the shower. And all of a sudden you feel that just rush of stress hormones come through your body. You know, that's how fast the response Mm -hmm. is. Um, and when this 
So the stress response that we have in the adrenal glands where our stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol and cortisone are produced is the same place that progesterone is produced from. They come from the same stuff. And so when the brain is perceiving there to be a lot of stress, either internal or external to your body, it's going to be telling your adrenal glands, let's make the cortisol. Don't worry so much about the progesterone right now. Progesterone's for fertility. We definitely don't want to get pregnant right now because this environment is not safe. So let's just make the stress hormones. And therefore, um, yeah, we don't ovulate. We don't produce progesterone. And when we don't have enough progesterone, we can go a little bit crazy. <laughs> That's generally yes. where PMS comes from. It does not feel good. It does not feel good, no. <laughs> um, so low progesterone is probably the most common one and that purely comes from um, poor diet and lifestyles that a lot of us have. And to touch on poor diet as well, you know, um, when I say that I don't just mean a Western lifestyle and processed and packaged foods, I definitely mean that. But also a poor diet can be just a diet that's not right for you. Um, so that could be a diet that even though you're eating maybe whole foods, you're not eating a macro breakdown. So of proteins, carbs, and fats that really serves your body, you might need more protein, less carb, or more carb, less protein, you know, mm. and finding again that balance that works for you to balance out your blood sugar levels so that your insulin levels are really stable, mm. um, is very important. So basically you could be you could be living a what could be perceived as a very balanced lifestyle, going to the gym three days a week, uh, perhaps meditating twice a week, eating a balanced diet, but still experiencing bad PMS just because the lifestyle, yes, is healthy, but it might not be right for your body type or your digestive system or whatever. Absolutely. And in that case, with that hypothetical person that you described, we'd want to know what they're doing at the gym. Um, you know, is it exercise that's serving them and helping them feel energized afterwards? Or, you know, is it exercise that's pushing them a little bit too far or they're not having enough recovery time or whatever it may be? And then, you know, what does their work life look like? What other commitments do they have in their life that might be adding a little bit of stress on? And then, yeah, what are they eating? How do they feel after they eat? Do they feel bloated and gassy? Do they feel like they need a nap after eating? You know, these are all signs. Um, you know, do they need to eat again after an hour because actually what they ate didn't satisfy them? These are all signs that you might not be eating right for you um, and that you might need to try out a few different ways of eating to Definitely. help balance things. Um, I personally found that after following a low-carb diet, which is what had been prescribed to me by a holistic doctor a few years ago, after cutting out most high-complex carbs in my life, um, and eating high protein, high fat, which is what I was told was going to be the healthiest diet. Mm. I was the lowest energy I had ever been. And yeah. once incorporating carbs back in, I felt like myself again. Yeah. Carbs, the whole low carb thing, it definitely works for some women, don't get me wrong. Definitely does. It comes down to your genetics. And a lot of us are genetically wired to have more of a mixed diet. Um, and having some nice carbs like higher GI carbs, um, sorry, lower GI carbs in the evening with dinner can actually help you sleep better, can help relax your body because it's got a nice little bit of energy to sustain it through the night. Um, and so, yeah, the low carb, high fat thing doesn't work for a lot of us. The minimum carbs that most women should be consuming is about 50 grams a day, and that would be even quite low. Um, so the keto diet for women can be very effective but long term we'd probably 
not recommend. Mm-hmm. I've gone on a little bit of a tangent there, but um, we're, we got here by talking about low progesterone, which is one of the main things that we see. Um, and a second kind of trend that we see is some um, kind of more inflammatory androgen markers being raised in a lot of women's test results. So androgens are a group of hormones that are classically known as kind of masculine hormones. So testosterone is an example of a, um, an androgen. And we test for quite a lot of, I think there's six or seven different androgen markers that we look for. Some of these are linked more with stress and inflammation within the body. And um, so these are the ones that if you see them raised, they lead to those more kind of masculine um, issues that some women can experience. So, you know, excess facial hair or acne or oily skin and needing to wash your hair all the time, weight gain or kind of bulking up as soon as you look at a dumbbell and Mm. thinking, you know, I just wanted to be softly toned. (laughs) Um, These are all signs of... Um, having high testosterone that's being pushed down more inflammatory pathways within the body Um, and yeah we're seeing that in a lot of women Mm. a lot and yeah that comes from stress and inflammation so the two main hormone imbalances that we see which is the low progesterone and higher androgen markers both come from stress crazy yeah (laughs) so these uh, hormone imbalances wouldn't have even existed over a hundred years Probably not. I mean, the rate at which our lifestyles have changed over the past 100 or so, 150 years is, yeah, pretty insane. And I mean, part of it we can't really control. You know, um, artificial lights and fluorescent lighting is, um, or can be as damaging, well, as cortisol producing and inducing than a stressful event. Um, really? Yeah. And so, you know, if you're sitting in an office under fluorescent lights for, you know, 50 hours a week, your body is just going to be more stressed than if you'd been hunting and gathering in a forest <laughs> for 45 hours a week. Yes, while we're here, mm. I just want to quickly ask you, because I know you work in an office, mm. what are some tips for people who, who do sit at a computer all day? Yeah. Um, get up and move around as much as possible. So... Um, studies have shown they did studies comparing people who worked out um, I think for like an hour at one point of the day really intensely versus people who maybe went on a walk around the block at intervals throughout the day and the fitness levels and the general health and well-being of the ones who got up and moved around regularly throughout the day was much better than those who concentrated all of their movement to one point which if you think about how humans evolved and how we would be in our natural environment that really makes sense um, back in caveman times, the caveman wouldn't have gone out, done all of his running in a one-hour period, and then come back and you know sat around for the rest of the day. It would have been, it would have come and come and gone. Um, so yeah, walking around, walking around the block is really can be really great. It only takes a couple of minutes, but just getting out, getting some fresh air, um, taking a break from the computer screen, drinking herbal tea. I mean, an office can already be stra- quite as stressful and highly stimulatory environment so taking away other stimulants so coffee things like that can really help um i mean anything goes in the eve office and a lot of people here have got essential oil diffusers or candles or plants on their desk to kind of provide more of a natural feeling right you use blue blocking glasses too don't you i do yeah i yeah a few of us here have got those as well and what do they do so blue blocking glasses are supposed to block out 
um, blue light, which can be harmful and damaging to our eyes, um, can make us tired and can also add additional stress to the body and prevent us from sleeping. Um, so I wear them and a few other people in the office do as well and yeah. Yeah, cool. I wear them too and I notice a really big difference in my eyes, the generally feel, general feeling of them, not feeling as sore at the end of the day. Absolutely, yeah. I That was one of the biggest things that I noticed um, as well, just feeling a little bit more awake um, during the day and less tired eyes and being able to sleep better at night time. Yeah, interesting. And I know that it's yellow lens ones mm. and red lens ones as well, which can help you. Do you have those? I don't have those. Um, but they help you? I think those are probably a lot better. I don't know if the ones that I have, I don't know how much light the ones that I have block out truly. Um, whether they're working from a placebo effect or not, I don't know, but they're working. <laughs> um, I've read some um, kind of articles around the red ones and the yellow ones tricking the body into thinking it's sundown yeah. um, and your body producing melatonin earlier and being able to sleep better and helping actually hormones as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of people here actually do have apps on their laptops as well to make the screens really yellow um, as well as during the day and at night time. Um, so that you're not giving your, you're not ever kind of overexposing yourself to that blue light. Mm. And one last one, you were telling me about a work format where you work for a certain amount of time. Yeah, yeah. And you have a break for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, so the Pomodoro technique um, is a great technique to help focus. Again, you know, when emails are coming in constantly, and then there's your to-do list, and then there's that person asking you what to do. It can be. And then your phone goes off, you know, we set ourselves a task and we never get through it because we're, you know, multitasking to a ridiculous degree. Um, and so the Pomodoro technique, um, you can just Google it. I think it's tomato timer or Pomodoro technique. And it will bring up a load of different websites that have got timers for 20 minutes. And you set your timer. That's your, then your focus time. You set a intention or objective for that time. So I'm going to get through this piece of work or I'm going to write this or whatever it may be. And then anything else that happens during that time, you, 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 know, you don't look at your phone, you don't look at your emails. Um, we actually have a little kind of sign around the office so that if you're on your tomato timer, you can put your little tomato sign, sign up and people know not to come and talk to you and just to leave you be. <laughs> um, I, love, I love this office. Yeah. Um, um, and that really helps you to um, yeah, focus on one thing rather than a lot because that's also another kind of invisible stressor that we carry is trying to do too many things at once. Yeah, and thinking that you need to be available to all those things at all at the same time. Yeah. This isn't just for people who are working in an office. This can be for uni students or for freelancers, people who are just generally having to get through a lot of work. Definitely. Working from home, anywhere. Anywhere, anything. Like you can even do it if you're tidying the house and you're someone who procrastinates. You know, set your tomato timer for 20 minutes, tidy the shit out of that house, and after 20 minutes it's done yeah. because you have been so productive because you know you're working to a timer and then it also becomes fun. You know, I would find that really helpful. Yeah. I'm definitely one of those people who have got 10 things going on all at once and I think I need to be available to all of them so I switch yeah. between all the different screens, replying to all the different things. And Half replying because yeah. then something else happens. <laughs> exactly. If I knew I had a timer just to focus, yeah. I'd be 10 times more productive. I want to hear about your own personal hormone journey. Yeah. Um, okay, so it started... Probably about four or five years ago now when I decided to come off the pill, I'd started to listen to a lot of um, natural health professionals talking and saying that 
limiting your exposure to toxins was a really good idea and then included medications in the pill. And so I thought, yeah, sure, you know, I'm cleaning up my diet and my lifestyle. I'm going to come off the pill. And at this time, I knew absolutely nothing about hormones. I thought, I'll come off the pill. I'll probably have a period and that'll be fine. Back to normal. Back to normal, exactly. Whatever normal is. Mm. Um, Because I'd been on it for 10 years. So... Yeah, I hadn't had a period in 10 years because the bleed that you have when you're on the pill is not a period. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came off the pill and big suspense, nothing happened. Nothing happened for a year. I went to the doctor and I said, is there anything I can do? You know, is this normal? I'm starting to get a bit worried. And they said, no, 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 everything's, everything's fine. And so I went away and I thought, okay. And then I waited another year and nothing happened. Um, and the doctor suggested that maybe I had polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I knew that I didn't. Um, I just felt tuned in enough with my body to just know that that wasn't true. Um, and so I didn't go and get the ultrasound to look for cysts. And um, yeah, I mean, we could go into a whole thing about post pill PCOS and polycystic ovarian syndrome here, but. I'll stick to me um, and so I didn't do that but at this point I did do my first ever hormone test um, and what that showed you know I was starting to get, get really really scared by this point because I was in my mid to late 20s which should be you know one of the most fertile times of your life and I wasn't having periods I had no hormones to speak of and I was worried that I had done serious damage to my body and that I might not be able to have children and yeah I you begin to feel quite guilty absolutely yeah and I was thinking emotional side of it absolutely and I was thinking what have I done to myself and you know if I'd known would I have done this and what's happening and I also I had to go on a bit of a journey around um my identity as a woman and my relationship to myself as a woman then as well because um I wasn't functioning as a woman Mm. and that was uh, yeah, big thing that I had to go through as well. But I did this hormone testing, and what it showed was postmenopausal or low ranges on every single hormone, and that was so. It just took such a weight off my shoulders to see that because I realised, okay, this is not my fault. My body is just really struggling right now. I was on a pill for ten years that told it that it didn't need to make any hormones, and now it's like a baby learning to walk again. So what age were you when you started taking the pill? Um, I originally started when I was 15, and then the pill that I started originally didn't work for me, so I came off for a few months and then started another one probably when I was about 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you think about... Um, I mean, I'd started my periods quite early at about 11, so I'd been having periods for about four years, but technically our bodies don't finish developing and don't come out of adolescence officially until we're about 25. So the vast majority of my body actually developing and finding its balance, um, you know, both from a, well, yeah, from a biological perspective, um, I cut a lot of that off. So I had to go through all of that as a late 20s woman and it wasn't fun. (laughs) It wasn't fun at all. Um, Do you mean your body had to adjust to hormones all over again? Yeah, I had to adjust to having natural forms of hormones all over again, but also remember how to make them in it and in what quantities. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest kind of part, I suppose. 
And when I did finally have my first period after just over two years after I came off the pill, I thought, great, this is awesome. Um, However, the period itself was not great or awesome. (laughs) You will remember me around about this time. I was an absolute nightmare to be around. Um, Because for two weeks every month, I had no energy. I was crying a lot. I was getting headaches. I was... I'd put on loads of weight that was making me feel really, really insecure and so I didn't want to be seen or, um, you know, didn't know what to wear or how to present myself because I was really struggling from that perspective. Um, I was getting spots for the first time in my life, which I now know was because when you come off of hormonal contraception, one of the first hormones to come back online is um, often testosterone. And if testosterone isn't kept in balance by progesterone and estrogen, it can lead, it can just have a bit of a party and lead to, you know, the acne and and other bits and bobs like that. Um, And yeah, I was bloated, pain and cramping, just you name it, I had it. Um, Yeah. So what did you do in order to bridge that gap between hormones not being there and them starting to arrive? So I think them starting to arrive and building up to that first period was just a long process of um, being really, really gentle and patient with my body. And at that time, I was still learning what I now know about hormones. I was lucky enough to be at Be Pure at that time. So I had um, the support of our clinical team and Ben um, as I was going through that to give me advice and so it was very much focused on just giving my body all of the tools that it needed from a nutritional standpoint, um, helping to calm stress and make an environment where my body would just be able to focus on remembering how to walk. Mm. Um, it's such a practice in surrender. Massively so. Because you can't <laughs> take something to let it come on when you're trying to naturally let it do its own thing. You just have to wait. Yeah, and the advice that girls often get at that point is, oh, go on the pill. (laughs) Because that will bring your periods back and then everything will be fine. But um, that's actually not true. (laughs) You know, it will bring back withdrawal bleeds when you decide not to take your pill for a week, but it won't bring back your normal natural hormones. It will just put the synthetic hormones back into your body again and make it appear as though balance has um, been reinstigated when in fact mm-hmm. it has not. And the implication here is when you came off the pill, yes, you had been taking it for whatever reason, maybe contraception, maybe to... I mean, that's generally what it is, isn't it? It's contraception. You'd be surprised, though. Mm. It's contraception for a lot of people, but a lot of people go on the pill because they've got some kind of hormonal symptom or condition that they're really struggling with. And that's where I think hormonal contraception can be great as a um, short-term solution. Mm. So I think it can be really, really good just to give you respite from whatever it is that you're struggling with. You know, if you've got horrific cystic acne for example and you don't even want to go out and it's denting your confidence it's denting your relationships because you feel so shitty about yourself it's hurting your career because you're scared to speak up and go for it you know like in those cases taking something or having you know something placed that will get things under control is going to be so helpful and it can give you then the time and space to be able to focus on asking then okay so why did this happen what else is happening in my body? How's my gut health? Where, where's my inflammation coming from? Because you've got inflammation because you're having these symptoms, right? 
So you just need a little bit of time and space to figure out what's going on um, and put a plan in place so that when you transition again off that type of hormonal contraception that you might be on, hopefully the symptoms that you were experiencing before have been eased or um, yeah, or are eased a little bit more so that you can go on that journey to find a more natural way of managing your hormones long term. Because that's a huge part of what hormonal analysis can do, and I've even experienced this myself, is just the emotional side of having not only lower moods or frustration or anxiety, but like you said, acne or other body things going on mm. where you just feel not yourself, mm-hmm. really, not even just imbalanced physically, but imbalanced emotionally. And that part of, it can take its toll on you, and even from your journey definitely of going through that too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's exhausting. When my periods came back and I was experiencing all of these symptoms, my relationships and my friendships and romantic relationships kind of suffered as a result because I just wasn't available to my friends and partner at that time to be able to provide the support that they needed, you know, relate all relationships are a two-way street. And because I was struggling so much, I I was, yeah, not a great friend or partner at that time because I just had to be so focused on getting through each day that I felt so shitty. <laughs> it's hard. And when you don't feel yourself, when you don't feel happy, you don't feel motivated to make the effort in any area. It's yeah. kind of like a spiral, you know. Yeah. Or you'd love to make the effort, but you literally just don't have the energy. Yeah. The fatigue was the biggest thing for me. And, you know, even walking up a slight incline to go to the supermarket was I had to really amp myself up. Mm-hmm. Or walking up one flight of stairs would be so hard. And that was the, yeah, the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, from, from there and when it all started kind of coming back, Again, it was just a big journey of testing, finding out what was going on, and then making a plan once I knew what the lay of the land was at each phase of my journey. Because mm-hmm. uh, as soon as you know what's going on, what one of the things Ben always says is you can't manage what you can't measure. And so if you have got no idea what's going on, you could do a bit of guesswork and stab in the dark and try a few things out. But ultimately, for me anyway, when I'm talking about my health, I want to know what the most direct route is to get me to feeling good. And then I want to take that. <laughs> um, and that's where testing really, really helped. Mm-hmm. What are three things that you could, and everybody is unique, mm. but three of the most important things you could be doing to take control or just even improve your hormone health? Yeah, none of these things are sexy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you want results here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the th- Yeah, so the, the things that honestly work best is eating right for you so balancing your blood sugar levels and how would you find out what was the best way to eat for you yeah so some of us if you're someone that's more tapped in with your body and more in tune with your body you can probably do this intuitively um taking a food journal or recording how you feel after different meals really helps um so how you feel kind of an hour two hours after eating can be incredibly beneficial so for example after breakfast you should be full until lunchtime you shouldn't if you're eating right for you you shouldn't need to snack mid-morning you should feel energized after you've eaten rather than sleepy um, and like you need a coffee to pick yourself back up um, and the same goes for lunch so after lunch you should feel energized you shouldn't get that 3 p.m slump if you're eating right for you um, and you should uh, sleep well as well and you should feel like you've got that nice, stable, consistent energy rather than kind of a jittery, nervous energy. 
Um, Be Pure on their website also has a macronutrient profile uh, kind of free questionnaire quiz kind of thing that you can do and it asks you all sorts of different questions that helps you figure out what your right breakdown is. Um, so that can be incredibly helpful. Do you know, I think a lot of people are actually tapped out of how they are at a natural energy state and mm. I definitely used to be... I still drink coffee very regularly, but I used to be very tapped out of how I felt on a natural energy state without coffee and mm. I was too afraid to stop drinking coffee because I thought I would just not have it. I yeah. would not have the energy and I was afraid of getting to that place. So for most of my life, since I was probably 13 or 14, drank mm. a lot of coffee because I was, after a while, had become sort of numbed to the how it would feel to just wake up and not need it. Mm. It's a, and I think a lot of people are there. They don't know what it's like to have energy without their fixes. No, yeah, I completely agree with you. And a lot of people who are there would not necessarily say that that's where they are. Totally. You know, because they are, like you say, there's a little bit of fear around, well, what will I feel like if I don't? Yeah. Um, I didn't think I would have enough energy to get through the day without it. Mm. And I was afraid of that place, and I didn't want to go there. Exactly. So it it takes courage to go on a health journey, and that's another thing that I think a lot of people overlook, and a reason why I have got huge respect for anyone who wants to feel their best and live with optimal health because it takes courage because it takes looking into these areas where we're trying to hide from ourselves and where we're scared to go because it's all connected and how you are physically is often a direct um kind of representation of how you are mentally um because everything is connected you know the gut brain connection your gut then tells your hormones what to do and uh, your whole body is speaking to its to it to each other, to itself at all times. Um, and yeah, so going on a health journey means you have to like face up to these things. Right <laughs> like, I knew that, but you're saying that right now, I'm like, yes, perfect lens for Yeah, I hope so too. Um, I hope so too, because the thing is, going on a health journey and, and deciding to commit to living a life of optimal health, as optimal as you can. Um, is incredible because it unlocks so many opportunities and amazing relationships, friendships, career paths. You know, there's so many things that comes from really committing to greatness in one area of your life and what could be better than your health because if you don't have your health, what do you have? Um, so, yeah, it's an incredible journey to go on but also one that you need courage to Yeah, it's also do. a hard journey. Yeah. Yep. Takes bravery... That's the same with anything, though. Anything that's worth having, there's a hard road to get there. (laughs) It's true, and it does get easier. And it does get easier. And it's rewarding. You do see the benefits, and it's better than anything. Totally. And when you get to the top, you just realise that there's a whole mountain range ahead of you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because because the process of getting to the top arms you with all of the tools and the strength and the knowledge that you need to continue going throughout your life, but then you realise that the end is doesn't exist the limit does not exist you know which is also like life which is exactly also like life because your body is ever changing and ever evolving and one day you're going to feel great and then you might push yourself too hard or get a bug or you know something will happen and your immune system's compromised and you get some inflammation and your hormones whack out and whatever and the the journey is arming yourselves with all the tools so that when these inevitable ups and downs happen you've got the tools Mm -hmm. 
in your belt to come back to balance with as much grace and ease as possible and for it to hopefully not be a really big deal. Absolutely. It's about having your own framework to fall back on. Totally. Because, and we did speak about this last weekend too, that there is never a perfect health destination. No. There's also never a life destination, but it's about having, it's about living and then having your framework to fall back on to know what keeps you in check. Absolutely. And having those tools. So what do you personally fall back on in your life in terms of your self-care ritual that keeps you on top? Yeah. Um, nutrition is a big one for me. So eating really well, eating to nourish my body. Um, so yeah, eating really nutritious food. Um, supplements obviously are a really big part of my life and, and um, my kind of self-care routine that is because I know I, ha- I understand enough now to know that if my body doesn't have the vital nutrients that it needs it just can't do its job it just can't function and I know that when I'm stressed my cells well all of our cells dump magnesium they dump zinc they churn through you know all of these nutrients so we need more of them and that's a big thing for me um sleep is a really big one for me um I'm naturally a really light sleeper and so I get my earplugs in, I take my magnesium, the form of magnesium, the bisglycinate form that's in the BPO magnesium is amazing because it's for sleep and relaxing the body. So there are other forms of magnesium that do other things. So magnesium citrate is quite a popular form, but that actually helps you to poo. Um, So it's not the kind of relaxing thing that people think of. So the bisglycinate form is amazing for relaxation. Pooping is important too. Pooping is important too, though. You're so right. Um, and then we're all about the holistic picture here. That's yeah. a very important part. Oh, it's so important. <laughs> you need a good poo poo routine. Yeah. Um, ben says thirty centimeters a day is what you should be aiming for, Whoa. which is a decent amount of poop if you were to put it out on a ruler. That's a lot of poop. I mean, it's two a day or a really big one, but two a day. <laughs> And you're apparently also um, what they what they take what they say in the clinic is that you want to aim to poo within an hour of waking up. Oh, yeah. If you don't poo um, shortly after waking up, technically you're a bit constipated. I find drinking water upon waking helps that process. Yeah, it can help wake up the digestive system for sure. Mm. Um, So yeah, getting my digestion is a big one. Um, A recent tip that I've just discovered that's been life-changing is having some vitamin C before bed. So vitamin C, if for kind of, I guess anybody who struggles to get to sleep because their brain is too busy or they feel a bit anxious or they sleep lightly, um, or there are some people who, um, like I've been experiencing just a lot of dreams, it feels like a very kind of light dream-filled sleep. If any of that is a sleep picture, vitamin C can really help. Um, because it helps calm the adrenals and calm cortisol levels before bed and that helps you access a deeper level of sleep and that has been life-changing for me yeah yeah I know you and Andrew also have a kind of rule where you only have candles (laughs) and Himalayan red light Himalayan salt lamp yeah in the evening to help your body wind down. Yeah, we've got quite an intense sleep routine at, yeah. at our home. It's amazing. Can you kind of tell us what you guys do? Yeah, so we try and um, switch off blue light and things like that as much as we can. 
um, from kind of, I guess, 8, 8 p.m. onwards. We have dim lighting in the house and we have salt lamps as our bedside lamps and we have candles for extra lighting. Um, and that helps, I guess, to calm down body for sleep. Then we'll have magnesium and vitamin C and we'll usually read before bed and we'll usually take turns reading to each other sometimes because <laughs> it's really it's actually a really nice thing to do either to read to somebody because you feel that you are caring for them and giving something and it's also really relaxing and you have to be very present um, and then if you're being read to it just feels so nurturing mm. um, and such a beautiful space to then fall asleep from such a beautiful space very deep sleep place definitely yeah. and it completely clears out your mind of everything that's been happening in the day mm. um practice of mindfulness yeah exactly exactly and sometimes if we're feeling a little bit more wired or you know it's been a stressful day we'll do some legs up the wall so lie on the bed with like with our legs up the wall maybe listen to some meditation music or something like that and get super zen i'm feeling sleepy just <laughs> <laughs> i just want to also now that with Andrew, mm. you guys have got a beautiful relationship, and I love your story because you started manifesting Andrew long before he arrived in your life. Yeah, and he started manifesting you before you arrived in his life. Yeah, and that's a whole other story. But can you just speak to your experience with that process of manifestation? Totally. Um, so I've always had, I think, quite a close relationship with my intuition, and that I when I feel intuition it feels very much like a place of knowing it feels very secure and like a very strong foundation and I remember I was walking along the street in London this would have been I don't know maybe six or seven years ago while you were living there right? while I was living in London I was walking down the street in Clapham North where I lived at the time and I remember thinking okay I'm gonna find a tall dark handsome fun guy um and he is we're going to do some travel together we're going to have so much fun and he's not going to be the one but the guy that I meet after him will be and I remember just deciding this and just having that really deep sense of knowing of like yep okay that's what's going to happen now and kind of co-creating that with the universe um what do you think came first do you think you're wanting for that came first or do you think that that you received that information um I think the wanting came first, to be honest, because mm. I was thinking about it for a little while and then I thought, well, of course I can have this. And then I remember so vividly walking down this road with real purpose in my steps as I was walking, thinking, you know what, God damn it, this is going to be my life. This is, this is what's going to happen, all right? And I just got this real sense of, yes, that is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then all of the worry about it went away. And lo and behold, you know, a month later, I'm, I meet a guy, he's a Kiwi, um, and he's tall, he's dark, he's handsome, he's fun. We party together, we travel together um, around Europe and Asia, and then we moved to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And um, the relationship didn't last. We ended up breaking up and, you know, both of our hearts were completely broken. But during that breakup process, I remember, I remembered walking down that street in London and I remembered the agreement that I made with the universe about who that person I was going to meet would be and that it wouldn't and that he wouldn't be the one. Um, and I was like, huh, all those years ago before I even met him, I was right. <laughs> and the universe really delivered. Um, it doesn't stop it being painful, though, does it? It doesn't stop it being painful, but I guess it eased it a little bit. And then... I realized I remembered the second half of what I had asked for, which was that the guy that I would 
be with after him would be the one. And so like the guy that I would be in kind of a relationship with after that would be the one. And, you know, I had a few months of being single and not really being interested in guys, but I did a couple of meditations starting to think about, oh, I wonder when this is going to happen. And I did a meditation, got into more of a meditative kind of place, um, placed my hand on my heart and I thought, what does my intuition want me to know about my love life um, or my romantic partner? I can't remember exactly what I said. And as soon as I did that, I got a really clear message that just said, don't worry about it. Um, it was just like, it's going to happen. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Um, and Which is not easy for the brain to accept. <laughs> no, but I just had this such a strong sense of knowing that felt so sure in my body that I just knew that that was the case and I was just like okay cool and so how long until you met well journaling is also a big part of my practice Mm -hmm. and um I like to journal every now and again to decide um to kind of picture I guess what a perfect day would be in you know six months a year ten years whatever and then think about the things that have to happen in order for me to get to that reality um and so Earlier on that year, I'd also actually done a visualization and some journaling on my perfect day six months from now, six months from then. And um, I decided in that that I was going to get together with the person that I was going to be with around the end of September, beginning of October, (laughs) just to be precise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, then it was the 20th of September, two years ago, that Andrew and I got together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just the timing of the whole thing was, and the sense of knowing and um, how the way that we got together and everything was just lined up so perfectly that, yeah, I've got, you know, little doubt in my mind that it was as a result of this co-creation with the universe manifestation and asking for what I wanted and then moving into that, that is how it happened. Um, I always loved like that in between process for you or when you broke up with Mm. your ex and then meeting Andrew. I remember you were so at peace Mm. and sure that it just was all working out exactly the way it was. You weren't on dating apps, you weren't seeking anyone, Mm. you weren't, you weren't, you were letting it come to you. Mm. And I always loved that, about that evolution for you, because then you met Andrew and the universe still delivered to him, him to you. You didn't mm. go out and go, oh, I think I might like him, or I might want to be with him. Like, he just arrived. Yeah, that's so, so true. And I'd met my ex on a dating app, and I'd thought about it, but again, there was just a sense of intuition and knowing that that's not going to be where it happens and that's not part of my... Um, kind of romantic path this on this occasion um, so yeah the my um, relationship with my intuition during that time was really really important and really strong mm-hmm. and guided me a lot and um, I feel very grateful that I had enough trust to surrender and follow that and really not worry um, yeah when at what point oh did you have a list for Andrew? Did you write down what you wanted in a partner? Um, I don't know if I wrote. I don't know if I physically wrote it down, but I had an idea in my head of what and who I wanted. And Andrew is many, many of those things. Um, some of the things he wasn't. However, the things that he wasn't was when the universe knew better than I did, 
Um, and um, the things that he wasn't were the things that I was asking for more from an ego or fear-based place and the person that I thought that I needed to be with rather than the person who was truly right for me. Interesting. Mm. So when you're writing your list or when anyone's writing your list, mm. asking yourself why you want this attribute, do you want them to be financially stable? Because is it out of fear or is it out of love? Right, exactly, mm. exactly. And where's that coming from and how does that make you feel in your body? You know, if you visualize a partner using your example who is financially stable, does that make you feel, oh my God, thank God for that? Mm. And just breathe a sigh of relief because you've been holding all of that tension around money and abundance, in which case it's probably coming from fear. Mm. Or does it make you feel excited because you're also someone who's working towards financial stability because you want to have opportunities in your life and go and do fun things and mm. you know it comes from a different place totally and I actually have found in the past when I've written a list for calling in a partner mm. um, sometimes when there are attributes that are coming from a place of fear it's actually something that I need to look at within myself 100 percent. and it's kind of a good way to go oh this is a great mirror of where I'm showing up in my life and where I'm actually not showing up in my life and asking for someone else to fill that within me totally and the other thing is is that if you want something in a partner that you haven't truly embodied in yourself you know that's as you say something that you need to look at because ultimately when we are trying to call in a partner and you know we want them to have certain attributes if we don't have those attributes ourselves we're probably not going to call in that person so true. um and so yeah when making the list if there's areas that you're like oh i wish that i had somebody who was like this because i wish i was like that be that for yourself mm. and then you will probably find that in a person too but first and foremost the priority is you 100 mm, percent, which is why personal growth if you're going to a place that you're single like mm. myself mm. i find the there's an opportunity to really level up and be who you want to meet yes and and look at the areas where you want to up level in order to call in a partner that you really truly are aligned with absolutely or you want to be aligned with Absolutely. And practice boundaries as well. Mm. Because being single is a great time to practice boundaries. Where are you willing and not willing to go? You know, how close are you willing to let people in? Um, and all of those other areas, particularly around relationships where we need to set boundaries. Because as soon as you're in a romantic relationship, um, particularly with somebody who is also committed to living their best life or, you know, having an element of growth and development to their life that person's going to push you that person's going to push your boundaries and if you haven't set a really solid foundation for yourself it will be tough um and I assume that the types of people that will be listening to this podcast probably want some level of a conscious relationship whether it's somebody who's open to you know their beliefs and the direction that they want to their life to go in or somebody who's fully down the rabbit hole with them um that comes with challenges because if you don't have well set up boundaries, and even if you do, they will get pushed and there's nowhere to hide, which is a great thing because it keeps you growing and it keeps you honest. And it means that it's very difficult to hide. yeah hide and indulge in those places of like, I'm just going to not look at that right now because I don't want to. Because there's someone else like, hey, look over here. There's something over here for us. Let's look at it. <laughs> I would... 
I would always prefer, and I will always prefer a relationship that brings up all my shit for me to look at, mm. than have someone who wants to hide from the shit with me. Totally. I've been in both relationships, mm. and you know what? They're good for different reasons. Mm. One of them is definitely more fulfilling, more love-filled, more whole, true, and juicy. And that is obviously the relationship where you know someone is your mirror and is bringing that stuff up and you can see the areas that you need to work on through them um but you know my relationship before this one I was not willing to be vulnerable I was not willing to get hurt I was not willing to um give any of myself because I was so scared of getting hurt from a previous relationship where I had got really heartbroken um and so I didn't open up the guy I was with also didn't open up everything was very much in the beige we didn't communicate um and because of that the highs and lows were really muted um and really soft and really gentle so I was incredibly safe Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure it was fun and it was fun um and I also knew that I was missing something at that time I was prioritizing my own safety because I was scared um and as the relationship went on I started to realize more and more that you know, I was living life at an arm's length and if I really wanted to live a full life and truly love and be loved, I had to bring life in, you know, and allow myself to be vulnerable and allow myself to be seen and to be hurt and um, that was a big part of the process that I went on in the months between my two relationships was working on being seen um, and vulnerability to the point where when my partner now and I got together a few weeks in he was like let's share with each other the things that we really don't want anyone to ever know about us (laughs) like the most shameful things that have happened in our lives let's just share them and I was like that's great I'm really keen also no And um, that for me was a real sign of how far I I had come because it felt so uncomfortable to sit down and share, you know, the things that I feel most shameful in my life are when this happened and when this happened and, you know, whatever. And he did the same for me. And there were times where, you know, it was such a beautiful thing to do, though, because I would share you know something that I would I'd be shaking feeling physically sick. thank you so much for tuning in today I hope you got heaps out of this episode and for anyone who is after those show notes check them out either on my website www.lovebyolivia.com or in the details in the podcast app thanks so much for joining we'll see you next week you know then for one of his he had to turn the lights off and he couldn't even look at me even though it was dark um because he felt so much shame and you know it was exactly the same it was just a human experience and I could just look at him and give him a hug and say I love you and that's it you know that is such a powerful healing tool to release shame Mm. by speaking it to someone who can hold space and not judge Mm -hmm. and not try and fix exactly that's a big yeah. We're going to have a whole talk about relationships separately because we're almost running out of time. Yeah. I haven't even asked you all half of the questions. I should have known this would happen. Um, I just want to ask you, what are your beliefs around spirituality or a higher energy? Yeah. I truly believe that we are all connected by something. Um I yeah definitely believe well I don't mean we don't really have to even believe that now it's been proven by science that we are all one we're all made out of the same stuff 
Um, so I definitely believe that. And I really do believe that we co-create our lives alongside the universe, God, Allah, Buddha, Krishna, you know, whoever it is, oneness. You have a really interesting perspective because <laughs> your grandparents were full Buddhist. Yeah. Are full Buddhist. Yeah. Yeah. My, my grandma passed away at Christmas time and we went and visited the Buddhist monastery where she's buried. One of the beautiful things that they do is they plant a tree instead of a headstone and the tree just has a tiny plaque on it that says their name. And I'm like, that is so much a better idea than a piece of rock because it's yeah. living. And we, it was gorgeous and we went there and it was summertime so the leaves were blowing in the breeze and there was a bird on her branches. And, and it's like she's leaving the she's leaving the earth her spirit is still here but her body has left the earth and new life has been formed in her absence exactly and they mix the ashes when you're spreading the ashes around the orchard where all the other trees are they mix the ashes in with the roots of the tree so it really is her yeah her essence in that tree it was so beautiful i know we all cried a lot and it was just so gorgeous because you could feel her there um and so yeah, my Buddhist, uh, my grandparents um, were Buddhists. They traveled the world and found Buddhism. My grandma originally comes from a Jewish line, um, found Buddhism, and for them it was really the truth of life. And they learned a lot of practices from that. So I grew up a lot of them talking about the Buddha and his teachings. And then my dad is also a psychologist and specializes in mindfulness and acceptance and commitment therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy um and he was a big meditator and my mum as well um so there were a lot of people who um had some spiritual influences on me from a young age I suppose um and taught me how to see things as being more connected and to have compassion and um those types of things so yeah I definitely believe that we're all connected and the energy that we put out is into the world is very important um and yeah i mean i could go on a long ramble about that <laughs> how do you connect to it um in a few different ways so i find a deeper sense of connection with spirituality or energy or whatever often through walking um like yes meditation and breathing and all of that kind of stuff but definitely through walking and um consciously tuning into the nature around me so you know the sky and how the clouds are breezing through the air and the color of the sky and how the wind is rustling through any leaves and the color of those leaves and the sunlight shining off of a wet pavement you know, it's all of those things that actually make me feel closest to it because it reminds me of the beauty and perfection of life in the everyday mundane of just walking down the street. And that is what calms me the most and what brings me the deepest sense of spirituality in day-to-day life. You know, I think that that's almost harder than sitting in a room and closing your eyes. (laughs) Um, Because it's showing you that beauty and love and presence is actually all around you at every single moment and you can choose whether to tune into it or not right exactly that's exactly it and I often if I'm having a hard time I'll often try to find the beauty in either the place that I'm in or the situation or whatever it is because it is always something that's beautiful about it 
You guys, um, Beatrice is known for having a very angelic and wise <laughs> approach for life. She's full of amazing wisdom and always knows the right thing to say. So I feel like, I don't know what it is, it's a combination of your life experience and perhaps your upbringing with the exposure to your parents and your grandparents' um, philosophies, but it really, really shows. Thank you. That's yeah. such a lovely thing to say. And I always have thought you your practice and your uh, relationship to mindfulness mm. is very beautiful because you never uh, push it you're never resisting things you just let things kind of flow in and flow out mm. which I'm sure is a practice for you, for you but it definitely feels like that it shows in your presence thank you so much yeah it definitely is a practice because you know, I think we can all get caught up on, I should do 20 minutes of this style of meditation every day and I should do my journaling and I should do da 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 da. But we go through so many phases where different types of mindfulness are gonna serve us. And some days it's just listening to some relaxing music with my eyes closed because my brain doesn't wanna do anything else, you know? And I think having that intuitive connection to what your mind and body needs um, at different times is a practice and it takes time to develop but also um yeah it takes the pressure off yeah because it shouldn't be a struggle right exactly and it shouldn't be a, oh god i've got to meditate it should be a, oh yay i get you know some time to connect with myself or connect with whatever or visualize my day or whatever because you know there's hundreds of different types of meditations mm. we can do and just finding the one that's right for you or the set that it's right for you that you like to rotate through um, you know, I'm really enjoying at the moment visualizing how I want my day to go. Um, and then it gets me, it boosts my energy, it gets me really excited for my day, and then my day usually goes like that. Exactly. <laughs> um, but at other times I do, you know, body scan meditations or we'll scan through my chakras or, um, you know, just breathing or whatever. And mantra mm-hmm. changes. Mm. I have one more question, mm-hmm. and this probably is probably going to... It's quite a big question, (laughs) but I think it's important and it's something that I want to speak to with you because I know that you've been on this journey and I know that a lot of the listeners will be either going through this at the same time. You spoke to it briefly around when you were in that in-between phase of having lost your periods and your periods and your hormones normalizing again Mm. and going through some body image issues, Mm -hmm. self-love things. Can you tell me three things that you found helped you reconnect and cultivate a deeper sense of love towards yourself yeah it was a a long process and probably one of the harder things that I've done because for me my body image issues went back to uh they started when I was about eight or nine years old so by the time that all of this was going down you know it was almost two decades of practice that I'd had around um body image self-talk um so the first thing that I did was getting rid of all of the clothes that made me feel shit because honestly it's it's just a really yeah totally yeah totally the shit out of yourself yeah this does not spark joy then it's gone right because it sounds like not a spiritual or woke thing at all but you know it doesn't make you feel good when you open your wardrobe and all you're doing is looking at clothes that either you can't wear anymore or are too tight on the arms or you know you feel too bloated to wear or whatever that makes you feel so low vibration first thing in the morning 
and then that's your vibe for the rest of the day that's you know that's a really good point actually that process of getting ready for the day is part of your self-care ritual yeah and I mean morning routines often focus a lot on what you do before you get dressed yeah. you know but actually getting dressed is a big part of it for me um and feeling positive at that time and um, putting yourself together as the person that you want to present yourself to the world to that day so getting rid of all of the clothes that make you feel shit um is a big part of that because you just don't you just don't you just don't need that you just don't need that negativity in your life you just don't need that dress looking at you like oh you're too fat now girl you don't need that <laughs> no. so get rid of all of those and like even if you're struggling with money invest a bit of money in yourself just like a few hundred dollars or something like that go to a shop where there are clothes that you like and just treat yourself and go into the changing room and feel great about yourself and leave feeling as though you've treated yourself to things that you love that make you feel great and make you feel like a good person i think that that um point about leaving feeling good i think Mm. often we feel guilty totally and leave the shop thinking i shouldn't have spent that much money i didn't deserve that i've got these other things to pay for but when you frame it in a way where you're actually investing into your mental health you're investing into your self-care routine because you're deciding to feel better about things 100 percent. that intention behind it is a big part of this practice and this practice of buying new clothes and going out and getting a wardrobe that makes you feel good is also your feeling and intention around it the whole way through and because by investing in yourself and deciding i'm going to invest this amount of money in me tells you and sends a message to you that you're worth it because you do have worth and you are beautiful and you're someone who is worth looking beautiful and feeling beautiful so that is one thing another thing and this took a really long time was just chilling the fuck out about how i looked and realizing that it does not matter and looking around at other people and realizing that everyone nobody's perfect no one is perfect um and that actually it does not have any bearing on who i am as a person at all and that one i you know it took a long time to get to that point but really detaching my self-worth from what I look like yeah was hard work but it's been the best thing one of the best things that I've ever done Um, very conditioned to think that way very conditioned to think that way um and And I think it's a constant practice too 100% um 100% and and honestly those were the were some of the main things like for me I know that I will never lose weight if I'm trying to (laughs) Um, and even though I know that every time I well in the past when I've wanted to lose weight I've still tried to control the situation to get back to where I think that I should be to be good enough Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah just letting that go chilling out on that was a big big thing Mm. you're writing a book yeah, gradually. <laughs> what is the book about? Can you just speak to that? Yes. Um, so the book is about the fact that every single one of us is walking around with the deep belief that we're not enough um, and how that comes out in different areas of our lives from our romantic relationships to our relationships with ourselves to our careers, body image, family, childhood, everything. Um, and how to trace where it comes from, how it's kind of playing in your life and how to start moving on from that point. 
because we are all already enough. Um, we have always been enough. We will always be enough. Whatever we do, we're still enough. And I've seen from my life and the people that I love's lives that fear that we won't be loved and that we're not enough and, you know, therefore we need to be more, do more, have more, whatever to make us enough is just bullshit. And I've just had enough. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So, yeah, that's what I'm writing about. I'm so proud. (laughs) Um, Where can we find you? Um, So you can find Eve at at EveHealthCo on Instagram or EveHealthCo or Mm EveHealth.com. And I am at Beatrice Thorne on Instagram. And that's me. I will link that in the show notes. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Ooh. That probably came from my mum can have credit for that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, when I was about six years old, I have always had very strong emotions, but I haven't, didn't always know how to recognize them. And I would come home from school saying, I feel sick or something. I don't know. I don't feel very well. And she'd say, what happened at school today? And I would say, oh, you know, this teacher said this or, you know, this person, whatever. And she said, okay, do you think you're feeling sad? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm feeling sad. And so the best advice that I've ever been given is by my mum to teach me to recognise what I'm feeling, the emotions I'm having and why and where it comes from. Um, Because what I've found is that once I know why I'm feeling something, it eases and it goes away. Mm. Or I can choose how I want to move forward. But it's the not knowing why we're feeling something and having our emotions unconsciously rule us that leads to a lot of pain and heartache. Mm-hmm. And just feeling shit and not knowing why. And wanting to numb it and not knowing why. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, how gorgeous is B. Um, if you love today's episode, please let me know, comment, leave me a review. And as always, check out the show notes if you're interested in finding more out about Eve Health, Be Pure or Beatrice. Hope you have a beautiful week and I will be seeing you next week with next week's episode.